Welcome to the Village Church Podcast. Thanks for stopping by and taking the time to listen. We've prayed that this podcast channel blesses and encourages the Village family. So lean in with an open heart, eager to grow, and enjoy the episode. Good morning, everybody. It's a real privilege to share God's Word with you today. And I see I've got 40, nearly 40, over 50 minutes. I'm not going to be preaching that long, so I'm going to save you from that. But um, today we're going to carry on, as Dave said, in James, and it's from James chapter 3, verses 13 through to 4, verse 10. And I've, yeah, I've, I've titled my sermon, Divided Loyalty. So I'm going to read the scriptures now, and I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. There you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Chapter 4. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So James is talking to the Jewish believers that have been scattered throughout the known world. He's concerned about their walk as a believer, and he's, he's asking the question, are you living authentic lives? And I guess this is the question that we ask ourselves today. Are we living authentic lives for Christ? It's still very applicable, isn't it? Let us, it says, let us see how wise you are by the demonstration of your lifestyle. So it's all about today looking at our lifestyle. So in verse 13, it says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with a humility that comes from wisdom. So we've learned when we listened to Brennan and James and James chapter 2, we talked about faith without works is dead faith, and we're not saved by works, but we're saved for works. And here today we're looking at wisdom. Wisdom is displayed by our action or works done in humility. And then last Sunday, Bruce um, 
Mark, sorry, was talking about taming of the tongue. And he talked about the tongue being the thermometer of our heart. As we cleanse our talk and we clean our hearts for flow it, for through it flows life. A clean heart is evidenced by operating in humility that displays godly wisdom. So when we separate the chapters of James and we, as we read separate chapters, it seems that James is jumping about with different subjects. But when we read it as a whole, we see it all fitting in together. And James is appealing to believers to examine hearts and what flows from it. Is it life from a close walk with the Lord? So in verses 13 to 15, James is talking about two kinds of wisdom. Wisdom from above, which is godly wisdom, and the other is wisdom from below, human or devilish wisdom. So I've got four points in my sermon, and they all begin with R. So the first one is recognize. How do we recognize between these two wisdoms? Human or devilish wisdom. We're going to attack that one first. And it centers on these characteristics. Selfish ambition, jealousy, envy, covetousness, bitterness, anger, being boastful, proud, greedy, vain, perverting the truth, and materialistic. It says in James uh, 3.16, it says, You will find disorder and evil of every kind if you operate in those characteristics. So the second wisdom is godly wisdom. Godly wisdom only comes from having a relationship with God and showing this by being humble. This means valuing others above yourself, looking to the interests of others, rather than your own interests. Be seasoned with mercy, grace, and peace. Wisdom is also pure, peace-loving, gentle, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, the fruit of good deeds, showing no favoritism, and is always sincere, impartial, and peacemakers sow seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So the very first thing that God created before he created the world and the heavens is he created peace. In Proverbs 8.22 it says, The Lord formed me from the beginning before he created anything else. In Proverbs 4, verses 7 to 8, Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. 1 Corinthians 1.19 I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Verse 21 Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
Verse 30, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. So our second point is rebelliousness. So ever since the fall of man, people have continued to believe Satan's lies. And they tried, they've tried to be gods themselves. In Romans 1.21 it says, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. So James, in writing in chapter 4, he's, he's concerned about the Jewish believers. They've got lots of selfish ambition, and it's causing a lot of strife. There's fighting and quarreling going on, and there's jealousy and covetousness, and there's conflict on every side. And he's really concerned about them, and this is why he's writing to them. James says, you don't get the things you, you don't ask God for, because you, what you do is you, when you do ask, you don't receive because your motives are all wrong. You're praying for things that are pleasurable. The reason why they didn't depend on God was because they wanted to serve their own pleasures rather than God. So why is this happening? The root of the problem is selfishness. We have this Isaiah 53 verse 6, this well-known verse. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. God opposes, opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So people war with themselves. They battle pride, worldly attractions, Whatever is obtained from the world makes people hungry for more. People are never f- satisfied. You men, you might have bought a new fishing rod and it's got all the bells and whistles and you think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch lots of fish with this new fishing rod. And then you go in your mate's boat and he says, have a look at this new rod. And it's like, oh, why didn't I buy that one? And, and our satisfaction goes pretty quickly, don't they? When we see something else, we're pulled to it. And then satisfaction dies. So people also war with other people. The old saying, it's my way or the highway. When we're bumped, what spills out? It comes out of our mouth, but it is from the heart. We feel our opinion trumps everybody else's. We know what's best. Just listen to us. We've got the answers. And people also war with God. Some people only surrender to God the parts they trust him with and they hold other parts closely to themselves. And I can testify to this. Quite a a few years ago, I was prophesied that I had barbed wire around my heart and... I imploded rather than exploded. So I was on the floor one day and I was just crying out to God and I said, God, what is it going to take for this to change? And he gave me a picture of a house with many rooms. 
and some of the rooms, some of the rooms, their doors were open, and some of the rooms, the doors were closed. And God said, "This is a picture of your heart full." He said, "The rooms that have got the doors open, you've given me that part of your heart, and I want you to open up the doors and allow." me to come into all of your heart, to come into all of your life. And as I did that, I felt this restraint, this this heaviness, this tightness just drop away. And then after that, I was really quarrelsome and I was angry. No, it wasn't like that. <laughs> but I learnt to voice my, my frustrations instead of just pushing them down and holding them down, I was able to get them out, which was a good thing. So in James, he says this pretty bold statement, you adulterers, meaning becoming friends of the world and so becoming an enemy with God. When we follow human or devilish wisdom, we're saying to the bridegroom that we've already soiled the marriage bed. Human wisdom is destined to fall. The world is full of knowledge and we can benefit from it. We can unlock secrets from history and from the universe. People become wealthy. They gain power in politics and business and the sports field. But it lacks wisdom because it never lasts it's not fruitful, it doesn't benefit all, and it doesn't bring peace. So our third R is resist. The Holy Spirit convicts the believer who lives in compromise. James is urging believers to study the Scriptures, be faithful to Him. 1 John 4, 6-7, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We need to submit and to surrender to him. Confess the struggles of sin that is within us, the struggles with fellow believers and the deceptions of the enemy. Let there be tears of sorrow, as it says in James, for our divided loyalty between God and the world. Let us, be, let us see that we're sorrowful for what, for what we're doing, for our lifestyle, for not leading authentic lives. And the fourth R is reinforce or retrain. At the start of the passage in James 3.13, it says, Prove you are wise and understanding of God's way by living an honourable life, evidenced by doing good works that comes from humility. And then again, the last verse I read in 4.10, it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will honour you. You will lead an honourable life. So sandwiched in those verses between that first verse and that last verse, it shows evidence of human wisdom and godly wisdom. And it really, um, well, it really confronts us. Where are we in this? Let's examine our lifestyle. So which wisdom guides you? Using godly wisdom 
and being a friend of God or human devilish wisdom being a friend of the world? Or do we have a foot in both camps? When I look at my own life, I have to admit I'm tainted by human and devilish wisdom. I do get um, quarrelsome, jealous, envious, selfish. And I've always been really ambitious. And I've, I've asked, and I've never really solved this problem. I ask myself, does ambition drive me? And if it does, then I guess it's human wisdom. wisdom. Or do I drive ambition? And possibly that might be God's leading. James is saying to lead honourable lives, showing by works of humility. And I'm saying this over and over again to hope it, hope it gets into me and I hope it gets into you by showing works of humility. And if we do that, we will become wise men and women. So humility allows more of God's grace and grace begets grace. So grace and pride are enemies with each other. We have to be intentional about using godly wisdom. James 1.19 says, You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Romans 12.2, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the ways you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So Stephen, I wonder if we just have that last slide up. There's a number of adjectives. And does that describe ourselves? When we put I am in front of it, I am peace-loving, I am gentle at all times, I am considerate of others, I am merciful, I am sincere, I am impartial, I only produce good fruit, I'm a peacemaker, I'm not judging, I invest in others instead of putting myself first. So how do you see yourself in that list? If anybody's got 10 out of 10, can you put your hand up please? I'd like to meet them, because I'm certainly not there. So our greatest example of humility, isn't he, is, is, is the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus has those ten, and we are just striving to get there. In Philippians 2 verse 3 it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than ourselves. Gentleness or meekness is a submissive spirit, and it's the Opposite to arrogance and self-seeking. Now, if you think meekness means to be a milksop or to be really weak, then it's not true because we have to be strong to control a spirit of arrogance and self-assertiveness. Meek people are able to yield to their own wants and agree to compromise for the collective good of all. So how do we gain godly wisdom? First Corinthians one twenty four it says, But to those who are called by God to salvation 
both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So the first essential step is asking Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Saviour. Secondly, the word of God is wisdom. In 2 Timothy 3 verses 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Thirdly, we find godly wisdom through prayer. James 1, 5 to 6, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Fourthly, our actions. Good works seek spiritual maturity and practice holiness so that we can live honourable lives. So in summing up, we remember the four R's. One, recognise what type of wisdom do you operate under mostly. Two, rebelliousness. Serving your own pleasures rather than serving God. It's all about me. Three, resist. Submit and surrender to Christ. Ask the question, what would Jesus do? Quite a few years ago, people used to have, I was going to say bracelets, but men did too. They had a um, something around their wrist, and it had WWJD, or it might have, you might have had it tattooed on your arm. Has anybody got anything tattooed on them, WWJD, or still got that bracelet, or whatever you like to call it on them? It's quite a few years ago now. But it was really great because when people looked at it, they would say, what would Jesus do in this instance? What would Jesus think? What was Jesus' actions? So it reminded them that they'd stop and they would think about it and they'd say first, what would Jesus do? And that's what we've got to do. We've got to just stop before we open our mouths. As we've learned about taming the tongue, it's impossible. And we want, to, we want to operate in godly wisdom and not human devilish wisdom. We need to honour God by keeping short accounts with him and with our fellow brothers and sisters. We need to confess regularly and repent regularly, seek forgiveness and cultivate an everlasting relationship with our Lord and Saviour. So that's really important to keep short accounts with God to repent and confess regularly. I just wonder if the music team could come up now and while they're getting prepared, we're, we're going to sing again, All Hail King Jesus. Jesus is the only one we follow. It's the lifestyle that is, we're centred around Jesus. And we want to, as we sing, All Hail King Jesus, I've been really praying quite a bit into, into the sermon today, and I just really felt that for people, there are people here that have been holding on to sin for so long, holding on to jealousy, to pride, to anger, 
And what it does is that it affects our relationship with Father God, but it also affects the relationship with people around you. And I just wondered that today, as we sing, all hail King Jesus, that people, I just invite you that if you're feeling that, yes, I've sat on this for so long that I need the light of Christ to come in to my life, I need to confess this, to be cleaned of this, I just want to encourage you to make that call, to confess and forgive. We've got a wooden cross up here. I want to encourage you, maybe you might feel that strongly that I've been holding on to these things for so long that I need to come in front of the cross and just sin and confess. There may be some forgiveness in your heart that you need to get rid of. It's poisoning you, that it's affecting you, your relationship with God and your relationship with others around you. I just want to pray for us. Can we all stand, please? And I just, just while, while we're singing and maybe while you're thinking about what I've said, if you're wanting ministry for anything else that, that God has just been tapping on your heart as I've been sharing this morning, that maybe as we're singing that you might want to come up. There's people here willing to, to pray with you. And um, yeah, just don't leave today hanging on to stuff that's pulling you down, that's dragging you down, that's not giving you life. That's your look. Let's look at your lifestyle. That's not leading an honourable life. That we're not honouring God in what we're saying and what we're thinking and in what we're doing. So let's pray, Father God. We thank you that we can come to you, that you are our God. We want to hail you, that you are our Lord today, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we pray for for people that have been hanging on to things. We pray that you would just give them the courage, that you'd want to just drop them off their life, drop those things, and to walk in freedom, to walk in healing, to to have their hearts transformed so that they may be more and more like you, Lord Jesus. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.